Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. If you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Matthew. The Gospel record of Matthew in chapter number 28. The Gospel record of Matthew in chapter number 28. We're in a series right now dealing with the idea of discipleship. And as we're describing discipleship here, it carries the idea of someone who's made a decision to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Becoming a disciple is different than salvation. Salvation is realizing that I'm a sinner, and because I'm a sinner, I've offended a holy, righteous God, and I deserve to go to an awful place called hell. But the Lord loved me so much that Jesus came and died for me and paid my price, and I came to the place where I personally accepted Jesus as my Savior. Now, after that, someone could be saved and not follow after Christ. However, following after Christ is a purposeful decision that says, because of what Christ has done for me. Now remember, we serve God because of what he's done for me, not in order to get something from him. I don't serve God in order to go to heaven. I serve God because I'm going to heaven. I don't serve God in order for him to be good to me. I serve God because he is good to me. And so we have that type of thing that we're responsive to who God is. Because of who God is, I want to follow after him out of a thankful heart because I recognize who he is. Now, as we come to the gospel record of Matthew, chapter number 28, we come to another aspect of dealing the idea of following after Christ. And we see it by a command that the Lord Jesus Christ has given unto us in the gospel record of Matthew, chapter number 28. The gospel record of Matthew, chapter 28, remember Jesus Christ at this time has already went to the cross and paid for our price on the cross of Calvary. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and then he rose again the third day to prove that he was God and to prove that the payment that God had made was accepted. And now he has gathered his disciples up before he ascends to heaven and he is giving instructions to this new church, this body of believers who have gathered together for the purpose of following after Christ. And he is giving them instructions of what they are supposed to do. With that, look with me in the gospel record of Matthew chapter 28. The gospel record of Matthew chapter 28. And notice with me starting at verse 18. The gospel record of Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And with this, we have this passage that we commonly refer to as the Great Commission. And so with this understanding, we see that disciples obey Christ's command. Disciples obey Christ's command. The one thing that we have been given to do is 
our greatest failure. If you don't mind, hold your finger here and turn with me to the Old Testament. We're coming back here. I just want to show you and illustrate this. And we want to see it with an Old Testament story inside of the book of 2 Kings. what I get for going off script. Give me just a second. Oh, there we go. First uh, Kings chapter 20. First Kings chapter 20. In the historical account, uh, King Ahab of Israel has gone to war with the king of Syria. And uh, Syria has determined to wipe out all of the Hebrew people. King Ahab captures the king of Syria and then instead of putting him to death or defeating his enemy, he makes an agreement with him and lets him walk away. Well, the um, God sends a message by using a physical illustration to uh, Ahab in the book of 1 Kings chapter 20. The 1 Kings chapter 20, and notice with me if you don't mind in verse 35. 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 35. A certain man of the sons of the prophets said unto his neighbor in the word of the Lord, Smite me, I pray thee. And the man refused to smite him. Then said he unto him, Because thou hast not obeyed the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as thou wast departed from me, a lion shall slay thee. And as soon as he was departed from him, a lion found him and slayed him, slew him. Then he found another man and said, Smite thee, I pray thee. And another man smote, and the man smote him, so that in smiting he wounded him. So the prophet departed and waited for the king by the way, and disguised himself with ashes upon his face. And as the king passed by, he cried unto the king and said, Thy servant had went out to the midst of the battle. And behold, a man turned aside and brought a man unto me and said, Keep this man. If by any means he shall be missing, then shall thy life be for his life, or else thou shalt pay a talent of silver. And as as thy servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said unto him, So shall thy judgment be, thyself hath decided it. And he hasted and took the ashes away from his face. And the king of Israel discerned him that he was one of the prophets. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Because thou hast let go out of thy hand a man whom I have appointed to utter destruction, therefore thy life shall go for his life, and thy people for his people. And the king of Israel went to his house, heavy and displeased, and came to Samaria. Now a strange story, but a historical account. Here, because the king of Israel, Ahab, had let go the king of Syria, God wanted to teach Ahab a message. And so the prophet goes and finds some guy and says, hey, I need you to help me out. Can you smite me? Can you cut me with your sword? And the guy says, nope, I'm not going to <laughs> uh, touch the man of God. But the man of God said, this is what God wants you to do. And the guy says, I'm not doing it. Well, because you disobeyed, something's going to happen to you. Finally, he gets someone to obey. I'm sure as a pastor that um, I would have no problems finding someone who would be willing to punch me or to deck me. But... <laughs> 
they finally find some guy who's willing to smite him. And so now he's got his disguise. It's not fake blood. He's bleeding. So he puts on ashes and he sits by the side and he's making it look like he hurts. And now as Ahab's walking through the battlefield, uh, seeing the wounded and seeing how things are going, he sees this man who looks like a soldier on the wayside. And the man's says, oh king, let me tell you what happened. That in the midst of the battle, someone came to me and said, you have one job. Your job is to guard this prisoner. This is the most important prisoner that we have. And your job is to guard the prisoner. One thing. And if you lose him, you're going to die. Well, they went and as he told the story, his job was to guard the prisoner. But as a soldier, there's other things to do. But there's a battle going on over there. I'd rather be in the battle. So he looks, maybe someone over here, maybe a wagon breaks their, their um, it's, um, excuse me, a wagon breaks a wheel off. And so people are over there repairing. And he kind of looks, okay, listen, I know I've got, stay here, be all right. And he goes and does this. Notice what the passage says in verse number 40. And as thy servant was busy here and there, he was gone. What we have here is a servant who was given one thing to do. But instead, he got busy doing other things. Now, if you've never written this statement down, please write this statement down. Please, please, please. And if you're not in the habit of writing notes, I encourage you to get in the habit of writing the notes. Expect God to speak to you. Expect to have something to write down. Please write this statement down. The good is the enemy of the best. The good is the enemy of the best. What do I mean by that? The, so often, our battle is not choosing between bad and good. For example, after church service, most of you are not deciding whether you're going to go to the bar or not. You're not deciding between good and bad. What we are deciding is between the good and the best. And oftentimes God's people are doing good things to the neglect of the best thing. Which is the never ending pursuit of Jesus Christ. Being obedient to what he has given us to do. And in this story, here is someone who is not lazy. He is busy. But he is busy doing everything but what God has given him to do. Well, as we now go back to the gospel record of Matthew, we know that God has given us a clear command of what we are to do. And that is something that is called the Great Commission. God has given us to do. This is the one thing. Listen to that. God has given us one thing to do. What is this one thing that we are supposed to do? Well, notice as we see in verse number uh, 19, uh, Matthew 8, 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. What If we were to summarize the Great Commission into two parts, two statements, it would be reaching and teaching. 
reaching and teaching. That means we are to go soul winning. We're supposed to on purpose go and try to tell people how to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Notice that first word found in verse number 28 or for verse number 19. Class, what is that first word? Go. go. That's a pretty simple command, isn't it? Go. We're to go out. There, we're not, there is no commandment saying that lucky sinners are supposed to find their way to church. Amen. In fact, the work of the church is done outside of the four walls. We are to go to them. They're not supposed to come to us. We're to go to them and tell them the story about Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for them. And that he paid their price and that he gave them a free gift. Then we are supposed to disciple them. This is the part of the Great Commission. Soul winning and discipleship. Reaching and teaching. This is the one thing God has given us to do. But our biggest failure if God has given us that one thing to do, our biggest failure is not doing the one thing he's given us to do. Most churches are busy doing everything else but the one thing they've given to do. Now, this is where people get mad at me, but we have to agree with what the Bible says. The Bible does not give us as the church the commandment to feed the homeless, to shelter the homeless, to feed the poor. That is not the job of the church. Our job is not to send money or medicine to Africa. That is not the job of the church. In fact, there are secular organizations that do a better job than we could. People get mad now. Listen, God has given us one thing to do, and that is the purpose of the Great Commission of reaching and teaching. However, we can use those things as tools for the purpose of reaching people. For example, if we had a soup kitchen for the purpose of purposely witnessing to everyone that came through the door, now we're using it as a vehicle to do the one thing that God has given us to do. Does that make sense? Yes. But so many times Christians are busy doing good things, not bad things, to the neglect of the one thing that we're given to do. Do you understand that one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of how well we obeyed His order? And like that servant who stood before Ahab, I was busy doing this and I was busy doing this and I was busy doing this. But what he had was a displeased master. That is not what you were told to do. You were told to do the one thing, which is accomplishing the Great Commission. Our biggest failure is to obey the one simple thing God has given us to do. Does that make sense? That's introduction. Now with that, we want to understand what does this great commission can tell of? The great commission is given, there's one great commission, but it is given in five parts. One of the, each of the gospel records in the book of Acts. If you don't mind, so we could have a better understanding of this one thing that God has given us to do. May we perhaps look at this great commission as the Lord has given to us so we can understand more about what God has given us to do. In fact, what we're going to do is that we're we're going to look through this great commission in chronological order, meaning that the order that Jesus gave it. Now there's one great commission. It's given in five parts. The five parts make the whole. Let's look chronologically the first part where Jesus Christ gives this commandment. We find this in the gospel record of John chapter number 20. The gospel record of John chapter 20. John 
Now, remember this whole idea is talking about being a good follower of Jesus Christ. If we're to call ourselves to be a servant, the only job of a servant, let's uh, define this. For those of you who already know where I'm going, be quiet. For those of you who don't know where I'm going, what is the only job of a servant? Someone tell me. Nobody wants to say it now. Please don't. What's the only job of a servant? To obey is correct. Someone must have listened. Good. The only job of a servant is to obey, not to serve. If you find your value in service, then you'll find yourself where you feel like you have to be busy doing this and this and this. Isn't that what the, the servant, his job was, or the soldier was supposed to guard that one guy. But he felt like he had to be busy and there's people over there and there's things to be done that he went to go help them and neglected the one thing that he was given to do. The only job of a servant is to obey and to do what the master has given us to do. So let's look and see the five parts of the Great Commission. The five parts make the one whole Great Commission. And let's notice in the Gospel record of John chapter 20, as the Lord Jesus Christ has given this commandment. The Gospel record of John chapter 20, and notice with me starting at verse number 19. The Gospel record of John chapter 20 starting at verse 19. Then the same day, meaning the same day that he rose again, that's why we're going in chronological order, the same day at evening, beginning the first day of the week, the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed himself his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. The first part of the Great Commission is that we're sent by divine authority. We're sent by divine authority. That the same authority that sent Jesus from the glories of heaven to robe himself in flesh and to die on the cross for us, that same authority is what Jesus is sending us to. When we're going out, we're obeying what God has given us to do. And that's what a good servant should do, is to obey the master. In uh, the 1800s, there was a famous evangelist by the name of D.L. Moody, who was a great soul winner. And he had determined <laughs> that he was going to give a full gospel witness to someone every day. And they called him in the papers of Chicago that he was Crazy Moody. Look at what Crazy Moody has done again. He was known in Chicago by just witnessing to people. There was a time over at uh, the main train station in Chicago that uh, a husband and wife were going to go get tickets on a train. And so the husband left his wife alone and he went to go wait in line. And as he was coming back, he witnessed as a man was talking to his wife and she just had tears going down the face and the man walked away. So immediately trying to protect his wife, he goes up and says, what's the matter? What did he say to you? She goes, she told me that I was a sinner and that I needed a savior. Oh, and she told me, he told me about Jesus. He says, that guy should mind his own business. She goes, you don't understand. He was minding his own business. God has given us the one thing to do. And God is the one who sent us. What right do we have to go knock on doors? What right do we have to pass out uh, John and Romans? What authority gives us to go pass out a tract to, to the gas station tendant, to the uh, clerk over at the grocery store. God told us to do it. 
We have God's authority. He's the one who told us to do it. And so we're sent by divine authority. What's the second part of the Great Commission? Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the Gospel record of Luke. The Gospel record of Luke, chapter 24, and we see another component to the Great Commission. Now, there's only one Great Commission, but we have it given in five different parts. The five parts make the whole. The first part is that we're sent by divine authority. Now, again, we've already defined what the Great Commission is. It's reaching and teaching. It's soul winning and discipleship. This is the one thing that we're given to do. Who sent us to do it? We're sent by divine authority. God has sent us to do it. In the gospel record of Luke chapter 24, the next part given chronologically is in the gospel record of Luke chapter 24. And notice with me starting at verse number 36. The gospel record of Luke chapter 24 starting at verse 36. And they thus spoke, Jesus, or as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed him his hands and his feet. And while they yet, while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said to them, Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. And he took it indeed to eat before them. Pause. Why? He wanted to prove that he was alive. That part of eating fish is evidence that someone was eaten on it. I have a bitten in honeycomb is evidence that there was someone there. It wasn't a ghost. It wasn't imagination. It wasn't an hallucination. There was someone there. And so now they had evidence. With that evidence that he was indeed God and that he was Jesus risen from the grave, he goes and gives them some more instructions. Verse 44, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Isn't it wonderful that God can open our understanding so we can understand the scriptures? Verse 46, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. The second thing that we understand is that we are witnesses. And with this we know that the noun must perceive precede the verb. That we must be witnesses before we can go witnessing. For example, if we had a car accident out here and we heard the big screech and the crash and we all run out to make sure everything's going all right. And then the officer who arrives on scene says, well, who could tell me what happened? And maybe one of you raise your hand and say, let me tell you what happened. Well, the officer's going to say, well, did you see what happened? No, I didn't see what happened, but let me tell you what happened. What is the officer going to do? Set you aside. Uh, because he wants to find someone who saw what happened. Someone who was a witness so he could hear their account. 
Well, before we can go witnessing, we must have a story of ourselves. The time that we came to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. The time that we realized that because of our sin, we've offended a holy, righteous God. And that we deserve to go to an awful place called hell. And that we realize that Jesus is our only hope. And that we came to a place, a point in our life, where we on purpose asked God for that gift. We have to be a witness in ourselves. Let me tell you what happened to me according to the Bible so that way you can understand for yourself that we must be witnesses. We're not telling people of something we read in a book and we hope is true. We're not talking about theory. We're speaking about a personal experience that God did in our life to save our soul and to change me and make me a different creature. And I am telling them what God has done in my life. So as we talk about the Great Commission, we start off that with the understanding that we are sent by divine authority. He's the one that sent us and we're to obey our master. The second thing is that we are witnesses. That the noun must become before the verb. We are witnesses and we go witnessing. We're telling what happened to us. Notice as we turn back to the gospel record of Matthew, where we had started with, we see the third element inside of the Great Commission. The five parts make the whole. The gospel record of Matthew chapter number 28. The gospel record of Matthew chapter 28 and in verse number 18 again. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. What is the third part of the Great Commission? That God goes with us as we go. That he's not sending us by ourselves. He's not, hey, you go over there and I'll watch from here. That what happens is that actually Jesus not only goes with us, but he's actually working on them before we show up. So that way by the time we receive, he's already preparing them to be ready to listen. Then he goes with us as we talk. That he gives us the words to say. He helps us, gives us the courage we need. And then when we leave... He stays and continues to work with them. They may need to make a decision now that we, they've been received the track. Now that we told them about what Christ has done for us. Now that they received the John and Romans. He's after and he's working on them to try to bring them to himself. We're not doing this by ourselves. It's not by our power. It's not by our ability. God goes with us. And as long as he's with us, we could face anything. That we're not doing it all by ourselves. He goes with us as we witness. As we now turn to a fourth reference, turn with me to the gospel record of Mark. The gospel record of Mark chapter 16. So there are five parts given to the Great Commission. One Great Commission, the five parts make the whole. The Great Commission in summary is reaching and teaching, soul winning and discipleship. This is the one thing that we are told to do. That we are sent by divine authority that we are to be witnesses, that God goes with us as we witness. Now we come to the gospel record of Mark in chapter 16. Now to be honest, this passage here seems to trip people up. But when we look at it in context, it's, it's actually a very encouraging. Notice with me the gospel record of Mark chapter 16. Notice with me in verse 15. The gospel record of Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 15. 
And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues, and they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, that it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now let's pause. In verses 17 and 18, it throws people off. And they say, well, does this mean that we're supposed to be a snake handling church where just to prove that we have God's power that we're going to bring snakes up here and that we get to pet them and let them... I mean, most of us wouldn't be here if that was that type of thing. We're, you know, no big deal. We're not... What is this referring to? Now, by the way, all of these are fulfilled in the gospel record of, or in, in the book of Acts as the gospel is going out. But what is the principle we get from here? The principle is, is that as we go out, miracles will happen. Amen. That God is a miracle working God. And he can work on people's lives and prepare them and get them ready where they're ready to receive. And it is amazing to see what God has done. As we go out, God loves to prove himself as a great God. He loves to prove himself as a God who is real and listens and hears and answers prayer. And that when God proves himself, the people are saying, I could trust a God who who lives. I can trust a God who hears my prayer. I can trust a God who is alive. And God loves to prove himself that he is a powerful God. And that again, that's part of, he goes with us. He is showing that he is real. We're just witnesses of those things. And watch God work. Now we understand that different times that God does different things. We're not saying that you go slap someone on the forehead and they cure them of the cancer. That's not what we're saying. But we are saying that we have a miracle working God. Who still does miracles. Who still answers prayers. What a wonderful God that we have. And that miracles will happen as we proclaim the gospel. Then we can find to the, to the book of Acts, which is right after the gospel records, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We find the last element of the Great Commission. The Great Commission can be summarized as reaching and teaching. It is soul winning and discipleship. Not soul winning or discipleship. They are both included. They're both necessary for complete obedience. And that the elements of the Great Commission is that we're sent by divine authority, that we shall be witnesses, that God goes with us as we witness, and as we proclaim the gospel, miracles will happen. Then we come to the book of Acts, chapter number 1. As Jesus Christ is getting ready to ascend to heaven, we see something else. Notice with me, Acts chapter 1, and starting at verse no, uh, number 6. Let's go... Verse number 6. Acts chapter 1 verse 6. And they therefore were come together. They asked of him. So the disciples asked of him. Lord wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? So they start off by saying. Alright tell us some prophecy. Tell us when you're going to do these things. Verse 7. And he said unto them. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons. Which the father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now with this, we have some locations. Jerusalem is the city that they are currently located in. And Jesus said, you're going to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. Then you're going to be uh, witnesses to me in all of Judea. Judea is the country that they live in. 
if we were to summarize, maybe we could say it's this, for us the state that we live in, Wisconsin. Then you shall be witnesses to me in Samaria. Samaria was a neighboring country to the north. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth. That you're going to be witnesses to me here where you live. You're going to be witnesses to the region that you're li also living in. You're going to be witnesses to the next region. And then you're going to be witnesses to all of the earth. How can we summarize this? There is no place to stop. There is no place to stop. Every once in a while, because we go soul winning every Saturday. In fact, it's a requirement. If anybody is going to have any type of position in the church, I don't care if it's playing piano, or watching nursery, everyone is required to go soul winning. Why? Because it's the one thing God has given us to do. If we're not obedient to that, how can we be faithful to something else that God's given us to do? And so we go out. And every once in a while, when people first start getting used to us, they'll say, how long are we going to do this for? I mean, is this just for this year? There's no place to stop. As long as there's lost people, we're supposed to go out and tell people about the Lord. In fact, it's my personal goal that I want to see every door in Green Bay knocked once a year. We already do that in Seymour. Of course, it doesn't take long to get every door in Seymour. But we wanted, we're already starting with Green Bay. We have a map and where we knock off or mark the streets as we hit them. Our goal is eventually to hit every door in Green Bay once a year. And then once we do that, we'll start in Appleton and try to knock on every door in Seymour, Green Bay, and Appleton once a year. And then we'll just keep expanding and expanding. There's no place to stop. At the same time, we're sending missionaries out. At the same time, we have a desire to see churches planted. Uh, Black Creek, Kakana, just all the towns around, they all need a church that has the same doctrine, that's preaching the same thing, it's encouraging people, and that we could see it multiplied out. But there's no place to stop. That it's not an idea that, well, this year we're going to go soul winning and next year we'll do this. This is the one thing God has given us to do. And the one thing that God has given us to do is often our biggest failure. What is our biggest failure? Our biggest failure is not a decision between the good and the bad. Our decision is between the good and the best. And the best is the never-ending pursuit of Jesus Christ following after him. That so often we can get busy doing good things that we neglect to do the one thing God has given us to do. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.